0: to Mr. Biz Radio. Biz talk for biz owners. If you're ready to stop faking the funk and take your business onward and upward, this show is for you. And now here's Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. All right.
1: Welcome to another episode of Mr. Biz Radio. My name Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. And um, look, you know, we try to do this. We, we have first for you and we have a first for you on this show. So for the first time ever, ever. We're going to have a political candidate on the show, someone who's running for Congress in here in Ohio, and we've never done it before. And I thought it'd be interesting. Um, I saw his platform and some of the things he stands for. I wanted to come on and have him come on because he's also a business owner. So I think correlating between a political campaign, I'm curious to hear, you know, as a business owner, what made him have this vision to get into politics. Um, I, I think that'd be very intriguing and interesting for all of us. So, without further ado, uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Matthew Deemer. Uh, he is the he's a candidate for Ohio's seventh congressional district. Matthew, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, how you doing? Thanks for
1: having me. Good, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a very hype
2: uh, uh, music you had in the beginning. So I, I want to say give it a shout out to whoever made that music.
1: Yeah, well, that's it's producer Allen in the house. Producer Allen in the house, man. He, he doesn't <laughs> mess around. He jazzes it up, keeps it keeps us fresh, man. Um, well, before we get into all that, tell us a little bit about so your overall like entrepreneurial journey.
2: So, look, everybody, you know, I have been working... You know, I, I washed dishes. I I served served tables. I cooked food. You know, I I've, I've taught English. I've done all kinds of different things. Um, and but my last job was like in executive level management uh, in hospitality. So GM, COO, assistant GM, uh, director of operations, and you know it really got me to learn how to organize people, uh, achieve you know mutual goals for the company, uh, make sure that you know we had at one point I had two hundred plus employees plus forty eight different countries, people from forty eight different countries with multiple languages. You know, we're working to achieve the mutual. Goal. Um, went for my MBA, um, and, and when I was doing my MBA, I started a small business. It was a, a just a podcast that grew into multiple podcasts. We wrote a book. We had blogs and so on and so forth. And our uh, that business was acquired. And so just through this whole thing, I understood like how to manage people, manage uh, you know P and Ls. Uh, we started a, a small business. I'm also a small business owner currently. Uh, but once I started running for office in congress i saw that there was a big parallel between the two and i think that anybody that has a business background would do pretty good starting a campaign
1: interesting interesting so um i gotta ask you so i'm i'm based in columbus ohio i know you you said you grew up in cleveland but you went to the university of hawaii so what kind of culture shock was it going from cleveland ohio to hawaii not only weather but culture as well
2: okay so what a lot of people don't know is when you get into like so i was i moved to the big island and the big island is uh definitely a little culturally different than oahu and so mm-hmm. uh there's the Pigeon english was a little bit uh, thicker a little bit more a little harder to understand um there was a more like a small town feel for the big island however uh so there was that kind of cultural issue with language and, and slang and all kinds of different things you know the Hawaiian music and so on and so forth uh, so it was kind of interesting to understand like hey this is part of the states but then there you see that there's a massive difference in culture language um and and background and ethnicities however for me uh because i am a brown person to be perfectly honest with you it was a lot easier than, for me than say my brother who is not a brown person uh so it was a different different cultural like i fit in a little better everybody when they saw me i was automatically thought of as hawaiian until so i opened my mouth <laughs> and then there was my brother who was obviously not uh, from the Big Island um, with the style, you know, and everything. And so it was, it was interesting to see that di- difference in dichotomy between my brother and myself because we moved together uh, going to Hawaii.
1: Yeah, interesting. So I guess uh, as a, with your experience you had mentioned and being a small business owner, what prompted you to say, you know what, I want to give this simple politics thing a try?
2: Look, I just think we need some good people there, and also when I saw like uh, the middle class rise in China, I was there from two thousand five until two thousand seventeen. I saw you know um, you know housing prices go up. I seen people that didn't have cars now have multiple cars. People that have properties have multiple properties. People's business that started out as small become big, um, and then like this movement of hundreds of millions of people out of poverty. Into the middle class, and obviously, you know, with a, a population of 1.3 billion people, there's a lot of people in the, the the top of the froth of you know earning earning an income, and there's still people in poverty. Uh, but this is just a ma- massive movement. And I saw that there is a effort from the government, from uh, and their pro business uh, and free market ideas. Uh, well, free market. would put this in air quotes, by the way. You Just yeah. to say pro business ideas uh, to grow their middle class and grow their economy and so when i came back to the u.s and uh the mainland and i saw the you know the middle class stagnant or either slipping i saw skilled labor slipping i saw like this whole like divide you know education costs are going through the roof uh, healthcare costs are going through the roof and all these different things i said well if china is doing this and is doing it in a very efficient and effective uh, manner we need people to have seen that and bring that to uh, the u.s to kind of i guess get give more hope to america that says hey this isn't just how things go. This isn't just what America is. This is a choice that we are making as America to not support uh, manufacturing here or support the middle class, support the trades, to make sure our healthcare is affordable and accessible and make sure education is, you know, being pushed to the highest extents. And so I saw the choices they made over there and the choices that we are making over here. And I wanted to bring that experience
1: to Washington, DC. I love it. No, I think I think that there's a definitely need for that because I think a lot of times, it's it's like the whole mentality right that you know you talk to people that have worked at a company for a long time and they get that mentality of well this is the way we've always done it right they get that we're we're kind of stuck in this instead of having sort of new fresh ideas so i, I think it's great and you know i talk about all the time is modeling expert behavior if you have someone who's accomplished something that you're trying to accomplish why would you not model that behavior figure out how they freaking did it you know like you're talking about you saw you witnessed it uh, while be, while being being there,
2: and also and also with that, it's not even just modeling their behavior, but also seeing what they're doing wrong as well. There's a lot of surveillance. There's a lot of like closed, um, you know, infrastructure when it comes to like the uh, the government and their you know data and things like that, which is also wrong and exploiting different companies, and different peoples, and so there's those aspects as as well. And I really love what you said. You know, when you talk about like the biggest companies, if these companies are doing it well, Apple, you know what they do? They promote from it within. They don't look for a CEO outside because they're doing it well. They're doing it right. You know, Amazon. They promoted from within with a new CEO. Apple, they promoted within new CEO. Google wrote it within. If your company's not doing so well, what you do is you look outside and try to figure out who's going to come in and just kind of like give it a kickstart. You know, Yahoo did that multiple times unsuccessfully, and other companies do that as well. And I think that right now, what we have to do is we have to get out of the kind of bubble of like, hey, you know, the the America, it's the best place to live in the world, hands down. Um, I would not want to live anywhere else than right here in the United States. Uh, But with that said, are we doing everything perfect? And if we are not, do we t- to continue with the old guard, the old ways, the old, you know, kind of ideologies, or do we actually bring in people that b- might want to just maybe give it a little kickstart to get us into a new-, new direction? And I think that's where we're at.
1: No, I agree 100%. I think uh, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in term limits. I think part of it is Keeping Agreed. that this way we've always done it mentality is when you have people who have been politicians for, you know, 25, 30, sometimes 40 freaking years. It's like, how do you get fresh blood in? How do you get new thinking, new ideas? If you have people that have been there for 40, you know, been doing the same thing for 30 or 40 years.
2: Now, I know we're coming up to the break here really quick, but here's my idea for two moments. I have four term limits, but I think it should be five terms for the House, which is 10 years, two terms for the Senate, which is 12 years and 18 years for SCOTUS, of course, keeping the eight years for president. What do you think?
1: I agree. I agree. Yeah, I don't I want people to have a runway, right? To have to be able to accomplish things, right? You can't just get in and serve one term and be able to accomplish everything you want. So, yeah, I think just limits, just you can't be a politician for 30 or 40 years is what I'm saying, but yeah, absolutely give them some runway to be able to accomplish some things, get some things established and really be able to help. And then hopefully be able to transition to, to, to a new candidate. Well, we are up against a break here. Again, we're talking this week with Mr. Matthew Deemer. You can find out more at DemerForCongress.com. It's DemerForCongress.com. And actually, his last name is spelled, uh, if you're not watching this uh, video, it's D-I-E-M-E-R. It's D-I-E-M-E-R, deemerforcongress.com. Go and check that out. You can find out all about his platform, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to come back after the break. We're going to the Mr. Biz Tip of the Week. And then we're going to talk about more of his platform and how running a business is like running a campaign. like to reach hundreds of thousands of business owners every week mr. biz radio can help our show airs globally seven days a week for more than 25 hours across several internet radio stations plus 20 plus podcast platforms also video exposure on the new exclusive mr. biz network streaming channel which gets blasted to 100 plus streaming platforms and the mr. biz YouTube channel and our 350,000 social media followers multiple times every week. Join Mr. Biz
0: Nation as an advertiser by emailing us at info at Are you ready to automate your business? Automation is the key to scaling a business and building wealth. It's also one of the most difficult things for a small business owner to do on their own. If you're looking for help with automation, Pulse Technology CRM can help. We have an exclusive offer for Mr. Biz Nation. We will build everything for free, even if it's a sophisticated funnel. Visit thepullspot.com forward slash MrBiz for this exclusive offer. Got a question for Mr. Biz you want answered on air? Email it to info at Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz.
1: All right, welcome back to the show. It's time for Mr. Biz tip of the week. This week's tip is actually a quote uh, from none other than Mr. the late, great Steve Jobs. And uh, it's one of my favorite quotes, top 10 quote. I use it all the time. My, my kids, the, the, the biz kids are probably sick of hearing it. My wife I am no, is sick of hearing it. Um, but the quote is, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Too many times we have ideas, we wanna do something and we think, oh, so-and-so would never get back to me or oh, they'd never return my phone call. They'll never you know, listen to my email or, or, or see my email or, or listen to what I have to say. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. You got to take those chances. You got to reach out. You got to make things happen. The worst thing that happens, they ignore you or they say no. But if you don't ask, you'll never know. So don't be afraid to reach out and branch out and do those things. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. Keep that in mind. And that is the Mr. Biz tip slash quote of the week. Um, so let's get back into talking with this week's guest, Mr. Matthew Deemer. So Matthew, you mentioned, uh, you alluded a little bit uh, during the first segment of being a business owner and the correlations of that to running a campaign. Um, walk us through that a little bit. How is, how is running a business like running a campaign?
2: First, I want to go back to your your, your Mr. Biz uh, statement of the week. Uh, if you don't ask, the, the answer is always no. Uh, one thing that we learned very early on running a campaign is you have to do call time. A lot of people don't know that uh, candidates spend hours every day just calling random people uh, and asking them for support or money or volunteer services or, 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 or something like that. And we have learned to ask. We ask. We make the ask. And that's about it. You ask for $400. You ask for $500. Sometimes you ask for up to $2,900. And that's from people you just never met before and so you always have to ask and you'll be surprised when you ask some people go okay and you wonder why they're giving you 250 bucks and you just you never met them but again like, like you just said if you don't ask the answer is always no um But to answer your question about how uh, running a campaign is like a business, look, with everything that you have, you have to balance a budget. You also have to manage people. You also have to manage expectations. And that's expectations of the staff, expectations of the volunteers, expectations of people that you're working with. If it's uh, Democratic clubs or um, businesses or what what have you, uh, going there to do events or going there and have some kind of exchange of ideas. And, And you have to manage that throughout the whole campaign. And so when you start a business, you understand that you're starting with so much capital. Either have a seed round or you have your own money in your bank account and you manage that properly. You try to figure out how you're going to maximize every dollar until you start building that up. Now, some campaigns will get into like the millions of dollars. And so once you have bigger runways and bigger budgets, uh, you can do a lot of different things when it comes to advertising, hiring people and so on and so forth. And acquiring that um, that labor, or those that skill uh, that comes from hiring those better, uh, those I don't want to say better people, those people with more experience or have done this or have some sort of niche in there. Uh, But if you don't have that kind of money, you actually, you have to work kind of like in a different way. And I call it like a, we're running our campaign, to be honest with you, like a small scrappy startup. And that's actually where I thrive, is small groups, everything's open, everything's transparent, and everything's communicated. Also, we have um, a budget, we're, we're making decent uh, fundraising but we're not like big like Tim Ryan where we have millions and millions and millions of dollars a quarter uh so we have to be very cognitive of how we're spending that dollar how far can we stretch that dollar where do we put that dollar go to, where can we put that dollar to maximize our goals and that goes for that certain time of the campaign and so i think that anybody who was who has ran a business or a small business understands not only the hustle but that balance of People, time, expectations, and also keeping motivation. This is like a, a, a marathon. It's not just a sprint. And so if you have a business, you're not like, okay, I'm going to make a million dollars overnight. I'm going to open up my store. And I'm going to open the doors and everybody's going to rush in and buy all my stuff. And next you know, I'm just retiring with a you know Lambo and a, and a yacht. That's not going to happen. <laughs> you have to make sure that you have longevity to it. That. And that's making sure that people you know have time. Also making sure that they keep engaged. They keep motivated. And sometimes you're not motivated. You're not motivated as, as the say, the boss, the CEO, the candidate. And, and you have to continue to still make that. So it's almost like a, a symbiotic relationship between you and the uh, the team. And that's why I like a small, scrappy startup, uh, because you do have that close personal relationship uh, other than like a big top-down, big structure uh, where you kind of lose touch with a lot of different people. But that you get that too with the bigger bigger campaigns, bigger organizations. And so um, that's how how I, I kind of feel at it as it is. Um, and then when you go into that with that mindset that I'm going to start a, a startup, i'm gonna have this much capital i have to raise funds i have to think of branding and marketing and messaging um and i gotta go there out there and sell the product and so the product that you are selling is not just yourself but what you're saying uh then i think that you look at this a different way and you make sure that you are creating something special
1: yeah i love that and i can definitely see that as you were talking the correlation between us exactly before you even said it i was thinking as you were speaking is the the correlation between like a startup you know campaign would be like a, a start a startup company so i could absolutely see that so i guess along those lines um in maximizing your donor i think how much are you utilizing social media for your for your campaign
2: well there's the free aspect of social media and there's the paid aspect of social media. And the free aspect of, obviously we use it to uh, tell people where we are, what we're doing, keep everybody like you know up to date with the campaign going. And then there's the paid aspect. And the paid aspect for a campaign purpose, um usually you use paid aspects for um money raising purposes. And yeah. so the 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 I guess the metric for uh, campaigns if you put a dollar in you want to get a dollar 50 out. And so that's what you kind of look at when you look at any kind of social media, and then you just kind of like balance what you put in there. You might put ten thousand dollars into the social media. Hopefully, you get fifteen thousand dollars out. You have five thousand dollars spent. and then you put that fifteen back into social media. Hopefully, you get you know twenty two five out. And so that's just it's this whole game that you keep playing throughout the campaign, and and you use that for different purposes for expense for expense purposes for um, staff, or just to say, hey, we raised this much in a quarter
1: yeah it's interesting i actually was at an event uh, a couple of years ago and the guy who was the social media manager for trump's um presidential campaign his name is brad parscale i'd never heard of the guy i'm like why it was a business conference entrepreneurial conference i'm like why is this guy coming it was absolutely fascinating um talking about how they manage their social media and how it's from a lot of things they were doing they were using cambridge cambridge analytics um and it was fascinating to hear because there were so many as you were mentioning, so many business aspects that they were applying to their campaign spend. It was very fascinating to hear.
2: And, and I do want to go back to that. When you said Cambridge Analytica and, and, and things like that, um, people should be aware of what campaigns have access to when it comes to your data and how your data does yeah. get there. And I think that that is something that we really have to address as as a nation um, and as and for campaigns and for businesses. Look, no business wants to get rid of that data of, you know, that they can acquire to understand how to, you know, hyper target individuals and of certain either persuasions or 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 spending patterns or habits. Um, But just know that you think that Apple has that data and Google has that data, but also um, bigger campaigns like the Trump campaign, the Tim Ryan campaign, the Biden campaign has that same data and they know exactly how you lean, what you think, what you buy, what you purchase, what you will purchase, what you might purchase. And that's how they're targeting you to to figure out how you will vote.
1: Yeah, it was super interesting. I mean, you know, and again, it goes back to just like, uh, how businesses would manage their social media paid ads on social media for their business, you know, he was talking about very specific data on we figured out, you know, they, we being they figured out that someone who had these four characteristics would give this this much more than other people. So then they just, you know, they continued to funnel that down to get it whittled down. And you know, he said at one point that they were spending. You, know, you mentioned to get a dollar fifty on every dollar. They got to the point where they're getting thirteen dollars for every dollar they put in. I mean, it was like that's, it, holy that's crap. amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I said, I said, like, no, call that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, no wonder that, you know, they, that campaign raised so much dang money, um, you know, with with that kind of firepower behind. And the guy's, uh, like I said, his name is Brad Parscale. Very fascinating guy. Very interesting guy. He's like 6'8". He's a giant. Um, very interesting guy. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we're up against a break again here. Again, we're talking with Math- Matthew Deemer. You can find out more at deemerforcongress.com. That's deemerforcongress.com And again, his last name is called D-I-E-M-E-R, Um, We're going to hit a break. We're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about some of the actual things on Matthew's platform. Some of the things that he's running behind. Um, I know just to give you a little bit of a tease, the broken connection between people and government is a big part of that. I'm sure you're gonna wanna hear that. So come back after the break on Mr. Biz Radio. How would you like to have direct access to Mr. Biz to help you run your business more profitably and more efficiently? At MrBizSolutions.com, you get live access to not only Mr. Biz, but also several of his hand-picked and trusted business experts, each with 20-plus years of experience to help you optimally manage and grow your business. That's just the start of where Mr. Biz Solutions begins. Learn more at MrBizSolutions.com. That's MrBizSolutions.com.
0: Check out all three of Mr. Biz's best selling books at MrBizBooks.com. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz.
1: All right, welcome back to the show. Again, we're talking with Matthew Diemer. He's running for Congress, uh, 7th Congressional District in Ohio. And um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your campaign, Matthew, and particularly one of the things that really stuck out as I was uh, doing some prep for the show is, and, and even when I was asked you to be on the show, is. One thing in particular, it doesn't matter which uh, side of the aisle you sit on, I think everyone uh, would agree with, with this. There is a broken connection between people and government. Again, no, no matter what side you're on, it doesn't matter. I think everyone would agree with that. So what are some of your thoughts around that and maybe some ways that we could help you know, uh, bridge that gap?
2: Yeah, you know, that's, that's a very good question I thought quite a bit about. And so the first thing I'm going to do uh, when I win this office is I'm going to reach out to the Republicans and Democrat clubs of every city, of every county, and I'm going to get everybody into a room together and say, let's hash out some situations and make solutions for the district. Uh, I think that what, the biggest problem with the disconnect between Washington and the people is that we think of Washington as something that disconnected, like just like a, the, like every congressman runs as like a president, but what's not? What it's, that's not what it's supposed to be. What it's supposed to be is this person that's running for your representative is supposed to represent this district. But for some reason, we just lumped all Democrats and all Republicans into like a big you know box. Um, yeah. No matter if you're from Wyoming Republican or Ohio Republican or a, a New York Democrat or Ohio Democrat, they're totally different culturally. You know, it's kind of like being in Parliament in uh London, in um the UK. You know, you you're, you're, you have all these different parties and they work with each other to try to negotiate, to find out where we have uh, coalitions to get things passed. And that's what the, the original people of, of the framers, the founders of the our Constitution thought it was, should be, is that an Ohio Democrat in Ohio 7 shouldn't be thinking the same way as somebody from Brooklyn, right? It's, it's going to sure. be different. You have to have that negotiation, and maybe a Republican, uh, Republican and a Democrat from Ohio would have to, you know, work together to be to get something done, and make you know um, a coalition with somebody from a, a Idaho or Wyoming, you uh, maybe against a, say California, or New York. That was mm-hmm. what it's supposed to be. And so what we're not we're having is we're, not, we're stopping that conversation. So first thing we're going to do is we're going to sit everybody down and say, let's find solutions. Then I personally believe if we start hashing out those solutions and finding out, defining what we're talking about and finding out how and what people want out of their representative for Ohio 7th, not for New York, not for LA, not for yeah. Texas, for Ohio 7th, I think at least for this district, we're going to have a lot more satisfaction because what happens is you have a Republican leading district a Republican gets elected, you don't have to talk to what is called 41% of the population, right? There there you go. Now you have 41% of people unhappy with your representative. Right. There's no reason for that. Now, if I get elected, it's, it's going to be probably uh, 50%. It's a close district. It's a very split district, a uh, very purple district. If I get elected, then there's going to be 49% of this district going to be unhappy if I don't talk to them. We have to talk to them. So if we come in with the idea and the, the I guess, wants... And necessity to make sure that everybody is heard and at the table and talking about the solutions. I can't change Washington, D.C., but I can change Ohio 7th District. And I know that there's going to be people on the right and the left that are going to be like, we just don't like you any way you look at it. But there's going to be 70% in the middle or 80% in the middle that go, at least he's listening. At least he's trying at least he's talking, at least he's empathizing, at least he's understanding and bringing that to Washington. And I think that is how we start, is bringing it back to the fundamentals of representing the people of your district the way that it
1: was intended to be. I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, I I, I feel that 100%. And again, I think even even aside from people in government, I think even within the government, the, the, the lines between the two parties are so divided now. And it's like, like you'd mentioned, like, if, if someone's a Democrat, they don't even want to hear what a Republican has to say. No matter what you have coming out of your mouth, I don't want to hear it and vice versa. I mean, uh, on the extreme ends, of course. But um, and I think that's a big problem, too, because I, I know me as a as a, a citizen becomes very frustrating to hear that. It's like, geez, you talk and figure this stuff out. I want to uh, men- uh, talk about something else. I know you had mentioned uh, a little bit during the first segment about your time in China and some of the things you learned there. And obviously, having lived there for such a long time, you um, uh, you know, you, one of your things you talk about in your campaign is is uh, helping the U.S. out compete China. So, tell us a little bit about that.
2: One thing that I think a lot of people talk about, and I first of all, I want to just be, um, I want to steer away from dangerous rhetoric. But let's let's uh, take on China. A lot of people say, let's take on China, and that's aggressive. Look, yeah. I, uh, let's 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 understand what China has done, and I'm not defending China in any any way or saying whatever. But what I am trying to say is, a job of a government is to lift up support and make a good life for its people. And if they're pulling hundreds of million people out of poverty over the past couple after the past over the past uh, 20, 30 years, they are achieving what they should be doing as a government, right? They're building infrastructure, they're giving jobs, cities are getting bigger, people are getting more money. They are achieving what they're supposed to be doing as a government, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. so no hate on you. I don't want to live there. I have, I understand what's there, I don't want to live there anymore. But now I but I'm not going to hate you for doing what that So instead of saying, let's take on China, let's outcompete China. So the rhetoric and the way that we're approaching this is very important. Now we have to figure out how do we do that. And first, we have to understand the practices of China. China's practices when it comes to um, uh, imports, exports, trade, IP, and so on and so forth, has always been unfair. And to say that, to try to compete on a fair, free trade level with somebody who's not competing on that same or competing with the same rules is unfair innately. Let's understand mm-hmm. that and let's make sure that we are either cutting them out of that free market. And that's, that's part, part of competition because they're doing the same thing to us with currency manipulation, IP stealing, um, huge taxes and tariffs on imports for certain goods, and so on and so forth. So don't tell me that th- this it's a free market with them. It's not. So we have to make right. sure that we are playing on the same or just working with people that are working with the same rules uh, when it comes to a global trade. The second is, is understanding what's coming up through in the future. And we have a lot of emerging tech, a lot of innovation, a lot of bio, of new forms of energy, and not just solar and wind. I know everybody's going to be like, oh, solar, wind, you, everybody, all the Democrats say that. But fusion, I mean, there's, there's like literally, uh, you know, countries making little suns you know, and that who knows what that's going to turn into when, when that kind of a technology flushes itself out. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of different things that we can be um, you know, focusing on when it comes to manufacturing and doing it here and making sure that this is the hub of batteries, of of mm-hmm. infrastructure, of web three, of of you know, um. Internet 5.0 or, you know, Wi-Fi 5.0 or whatever. Uh, these yeah. different things that are coming up, biotech. And if we do that and invest here, just like the trip manufacturer that's coming out outside of Columbus, actually, um, yeah. I think that we are going to be able to lead into the late 21st and 22nd century. And that's how we outcompete China.
1: Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. And, you know, I think the, you know, Intel coming into, it's just outside of Columbus here. They just had a groundbreaking, uh, actually, earlier this week gonna be tremendous i mean and i just when i saw some of the thing you know you heard the announcement when it came out and then you hear some of the things and you're like oh yeah okay but then you really start to hear some of these numbers and the impact it's not just having intel a company like intel come in to make a 20 billion dollar investment it's all the things you had mentioned matthew all the infrastructures associated with that all the housing that's going to be created that's necessary All of that stuff that's going to be necessary as you have, you know, all these people are going to be working there and and as they're building all these multiple sites and everything, I think it's going to be tremendous and I think that is a, a way to help do that.
2: I mean, they're looking at pulling 7,000 tradesmen from all over, not only just Ohio, but off the coast to try to build this. We're talking about uh, jobs looking at 125,000 to 150,000 plus a year uh, to work in electrical or plumbing or construction in some fort. Uh We have um, the universities as well are getting a huge influx of cash from Intel. And that's just not the Ohio State, uh, you know, a big state school. But we're talking about Kent State. Uh, community college and so forth to try to train people up in this job force or workforce that this plant is going to need. And we're not even talking about the bars, the restaurants, the babysitters, the, uh, you know, the nightlife, all these different things that are going to come out of this. This is huge. And so if we take that, I guess, mentality across the board, across industries, across all the things that we lost and things that we can see coming down of innovations and put them into the States, just like Ohio, man, we're gonna create an amazing future for America, but we gotta start and we have to be focused just like China is on getting that done. I think we can do it.
1: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I think that's definitely a great plan and a great idea on how to do that. So again, this week, we've been talking with Matthew Deemer. Find more at Diemerforcongress.com. That's congress.com Again, it's D-I-E-M-E-R. Matthew, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Um, Have a great week, and as always, don't forget, cash flow is king.
0: Become part of Mr. Biz Nation, follow him on all social media platforms, or never miss a show by going to MrBizRadio.com. If you prefer free video content, visit the Mr. Biz YouTube channel or check out his streaming channel, which is available on 100-plus streaming platforms at MrBizNetwork.com.